Hi and welcome to Hippo Brain. Here is where we have hippo-sized conversations with people with hippo-sized brains. Today is a very interesting guest, Praveen. Praveen is the head of product at the Ken, and he is also the man behind Nutgraph, their uh, newsletter of sorts. But we will chat with him, and we will understand and get some insights into that. Let us start with a very interesting question, Praveen. Welcome to the show, and the first question which I've always wanted to ask. The Ken is essentially one article a day, and it's on email. Why the hell do you require a product head? Go for it, Praveen. Uh, hi, Jayanth. Hi, Rajesh. Thanks so hi. much for having me here. Um, okay, I like it. Provocative question right from the start. So first, um, it's true that the Ken started off as a one story a day publication. At that point in time, um, we did like I think the thinking behind it is also important. Uh, we did one story a day and the reason why we did one story a day was because we felt that there was a firehose of information that was being thrown out so as a result we felt that less is sometimes better uh, sometimes it's harder to do one story a day than it is to do 10 stories a day um, we started off that way uh, since then we have evolved we have gone into um, a separate edition for southeast asia as well we have gotten into a daily newsletter called beyond the first order uh, we have a weekend newsletter called the natkap and now recently a podcast um, the reason why we look at uh, this is because See, the Ken is an organization that looks at two, three things, um, and it's, it's some things are very core to its DNA, and primarily three things. First, um, it's a company that tries to blend product, tech, and media, and there's a very simple reason for that. Uh, when you start off and try to build something in a subscription-based product, a lot of publications do this. They start off and say, "Okay, it's time to do subscriptions," so they write beautiful stuff, put it behind a paywall, and then wait, um, and nothing really happens because what happens is. Uh, a lot of the stuff on the internet is really geared for growth when you have the traditional levers of growth work really well when it is open and free uh take for example something like say search uh google search works really well when your content is open and free and so people search for it and they come on board referrals people basically click on a link and come there with the expectation that they can read it immediately uh or even anything like all of these things are geared to open the minute you make things closed uh the notion that i will put great content and i'm just going to wait and everybody is going to come and discover and you're all going to make a lot of money and be very rich and successful does not really work um so that is one of the reasons why it's important to have product thinking it's important to have tech thinking it's important to have all of these things in addition to having really powerful and really great journalism so i think that is primarily the reason we can go into it in more detail but that's fundamentally that is the reason why it's really important to do products as well so pravin rajesh here hi everyone a key point i want to ask you is at ken what does a product manager do what what is your role so there's there's the journalist part which i understand there are the tech yeah. guys who are getting the website done and all of that yeah what do you do right um okay so it's important again to go back to i'll i'll go into historical context a little bit um so one of the advantages of the ken is that we were what i call a subscription first publication which means that we are privileged not to be a legacy publication that has advertising and other things and then deciding oh now we should do subscriptions because everybody is doing subscriptions and then you are stuck with this difficult decisions on well i have this stuff that is giving me a lot of clicks but do i put it behind a paywall so you don't have to worry about all of those things um the founders uh, basically started off and said look we believe that we are going to be subscription first and that's our primary way to work 
the second thing is that the composition and the background of the founders also matter because a lot of the ken that has been built is built in the image of uh the founders and the people who started it so if you look at it someone like say sima sima is uh the editor of the ken and she's someone who has a great amount of experience in newsrooms right from mint and in forbes and she's written a book about biocon so she's like a reporter reporter she understands this really really well uh old school journalism um understanding of how stories are written narratives etc then you have someone like say sumant uh sumant is a serial entrepreneur who has basically run several companies and most of them are saas companies so his view of the world and his view of subscriptions is through the lens of a saas company which is that so he is the one who is constantly telling us what's the mrr what's the arr all of these saas metrics that people typically don't really get um then you have rohan uh so rohan is really really interesting because he manages to straddle both worlds he is in the world where he's been a journalist for like several years at forbes understands the power of great storytelling great narratives etc but is also someone who's extremely uh, savvy with product tech and everything else he's run his own company um he's someone even even the earliest website that the ken launched rohin i think coded a big part of it himself he's extremely comfortable in code and writing it down etc um so that is the first part which is that this yin and yang between the ability to tell great stories and the understanding of the business side of it is like really important so that is the first part of it um so for me the reason why i came on board is because for me this yin and yang matters um i suspect that if you took someone with a complete core understanding of product and came on board to the can i think it may not have worked that well because fundamentally at some level our product is our stories itself um and the good part about the three founders and me is that we basically all of us write uh, we write in some form or the other sometimes we write a story sometimes we write emails sometimes we write newsletters but that part is really important so if you ask me what does a product uh, person do at the can product person does three four things first you basically have a understanding of what drives growth and that is really important because you are doing all of these things you're putting it behind a paywall how do you drive growth with all of those things what levers do you pull how do you get that to work sometimes you have to do experiments to drive growth and those experiments to drive growth may not necessarily be traditional form of experiments where you say oh on this i'm going to change this change that etc sometimes those experiments are going to come down to writing different types of stories writing different types of newsletters so you need somebody who can uh understand that balance between all of this and so i try to do that um in many ways this is a job that i've been waiting for and i've been dreaming for for a long long time um i suspect that if it was a job where i was doing only product stuff and completely cut off from the editorial writing side i may not have enjoyed it so much um if i came into this job where i just said oh i'm only going to write these stories and not worry about the business side i don't think i would have enjoyed it myself either so i think i'm really privileged and quite happy that I'm in this world where I do both of these things. Um so yeah so what does a product person do a product person solves all of these problems and it's really important to have this balance between the two because traditionally in the media industry there has been great tension between these two worlds there is great tension between the editorial side and the business side and the only way you can make this work is to have someone who probably understands this tension really well um and is able to straddle those two worlds which is what I think the founders do in their own way and hopefully i try to do on a day to day basis in any example of you said a product guy drives growth and i'm i know i'm moving a little bit more into your product head and all, and if you could just tell us how would you yeah. how does a product guy drive growth what are the things that you wake up every day and say 
ये करना है <laughs> so uh, i i wish it was that simple that you wake up and say we going to do this and it's done uh, no so i'll i'll give a few examples so for instance uh, see one of the things okay again historical context so i'm a person who's really big on history okay so i'm going to keep going back to historical context and a lot of these things uh, which is why i write a lot of stuff about the roman republic and some of these other things anyway so historical context is this um some one of the things that i've always told people um is it's really important to understand why the media industry is the way it is today um so if you look at it it i think there's no arguing the fact that people say there is a crisis in the media industry of course there is all these things about fake news and all that but even that there is a huge crisis with respect to uh, business models which is that you have a lot of companies that are in the media and quite frankly not many of them are making money uh, and the reason they're not making money is because uh, for a long time they have been heavily reliant on advertising and for a long time advertising was seen as the great big hope where people looked at advertising and said this is the way we are going to win then the internet came then the mobile revolution came and a lot of these things suddenly just got destroyed um so you have a lot of stuff which was like owned by you uh if you are a media company which suddenly becomes it's like what they call the variable cost of putting an additional piece of content on the internet just dropped to zero um so at that point in time what ends up happening with a lot of media companies is they start trying to figure out how can we do this so for a while if you remember there was this entire time around 2014 2015 where people thought that buzzfeed is going to be the answer where native advertising would be the answer and i speak as someone who has been in the i have built ad tech products for like 5 years and i'm also the way how i tell people is i've come from the dark side to the light and i'm here to tell you that it's not going to work that side of the world is not going to win um the only way only people who will win in that world are probably the platform players someone like a facebook someone like a google they will win uh, but publishers probably not so when you come to this side but i have also been very critical about the media industry because the example that i tell people is that the media industry is the only industry in the world where the people involved in creating the product actively stay away and despise the people who are involved in the money making part of it and this never happens right in fact the only industry where this happens is art where artists just create something and they say ah oh, we don't care about this somebody else has to like make money out of this not me um and i think for a long time the media industry saw what they were creating as art um and so that is the first part of it it sounds really harsh but it's true the second part is that so let's say for instance you come in and you basically say okay let's try to figure out a way to make this work um there is historic it's very tempting to basically get in and say Okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to take the stories that do really well, um, get subscriptions, and we're going to pass it on back to the editorial team and say these stories did subscriptions really well. So go ahead and write more stories like that. But you see, that's also not that straightforward because what ends up happening is that there is again historical context because for a long time, uh, media companies when they came across this crisis, they basically did this thing where uh, they would go to uh, journalists inside the organization and say that the more number of clicks your story gets. the more you get paid right so they go after them and to that and so that is when all of these things start coming where you people writing clickbaits and start writing these headlines and it is quite devastating inside a newsroom when you go and tell people who are involved in creating uh, great stories which yes there is definitely an art component to it there is a creative component to it to go and say that if you get 100 clicks you get paid this much if you get 200 clicks you get paid this much so there is a lot of resistance to that as well so primarily my job is to try to figure out how do you strike this balance between these two worlds um i can give a few examples on how we try 
So for instance, one of the things that we did, uh, I can speak for myself when you basically talk about something, you mentioned the Nutcraft, so I'll talk about that because that's something that I was involved in personally. So um, so when we started the Nutcraft, so there is, this is the reasons how the Nutcraft began. Um, at that point in time, we had a weekend product that we had. It was called the Canon Weekends, which would come every Saturday. Uh, so the thinking at that point in time from a product perspective was that, look, we have these really like investigative hard hitting stories from Monday to Friday. And maybe Saturday is probably a time when people are like a little relaxed. It's not the pandemic. People are sitting at home on Saturdays. So uh, let's give them something to read that is hopefully a little more laid back, a little more leisurely reads, um, et cetera, which comes from the newspaper industry, which is also like if you see on weekends, you get like lounge and this and that, et cetera. Uh, for better or for worse, we tried that out for nearly a year. It didn't really work out so well. Um, it didn't really give us, it's not, I think my general assessment is that it's okay, but it's not something that people generally pay for. Um, so that was, so we were about to wind it up. Um, and we basically said, okay, we're going to wind this up. This is not going to work out. And at that point in time, we had a slot open on Saturday. So we were not publishing anything on Saturday. And uh, I think we thought, okay, let's not do anything on Saturday as well. So I had, I was like really insistent, no, we should do something. And I walked into uh, Sima's office. Uh, at that time, we had offices. Uh, and I basically made this like, I, I prepared myself with this big speech saying that we have to do something on Saturday. We have to be on top of things. And I started and then Seema was stopped me and said, what do you want to do? And I said, no, we should do a newsletter that looks at the week. And she was like, listen, you want to do it? I said, yeah, definitely. Why not? She's like, okay, do it. And what I thought was like this big discussion that I have to argue with the editor just ended in two minutes because I mean, fortunately, that's how the can is because when you have like a idea and you have like a solid this thing, you say, yeah, sure, try it out. Let's see what happens. And then of course we pulled in Rohan and then we said, okay, let's try this out. And we didn't even have a name for it. And we said, how do we do this? We said, okay, it's probably going to be this. Let's iterate and figure it out. So we did like one edition. We didn't have a name. We put some stuff. We had like a bunch of things. Somewhere like in the third or fourth uh, edition, we put out a survey. And we basically said, what kind of stuff are you looking for? What do you want? Suggest names. Uh, and there was one very interesting question we put in the survey. We put a question in the survey saying that, um, we, the newsletter was free by the way at that point because we were not confident enough to charge people for it. And we said that assuming that this thing that we describe uh, is going to be a paid product, would you pay for it? And uh, I think around 20% of the respondents said, yes, we will pay extra for it. Which for me was like a huge revelation because 20% of any set of audience saying that, yeah, we will pay for something is voluntarily um, is pretty crazy. So then it was like, okay, so now we have to figure out what the product is. So now over the next one year, every week, I would try something, something different, something different, something different. And we would, I made a lot of mistakes. There were things that we did, which we looked at the numbers and said, okay, this is not really working. Uh, but then after that, kept looking at some of those things. And I think I was also heavily influenced by a lot of stuff that I read and watched on a day-to-day -day basis. So I would like, like, for instance, I might be reading Matt Levine, or I might be reading Ben Thompson, or I might be watching an Aaron Sorkin movie. And then I suddenly think about it and say, oh, this story of Geo that happened last week is actually exactly like this thing that I read about the Roman Republic, which I'm going to put in here. So I did this something, and sometimes it would really work. Sometimes I would do something visual, sometimes I do something else. And I had a team that was with me that basically said, okay, we are going to help you make this work. So my routine is always that on someone like a Friday, I figure this out, I send it to my desk team who bless their heart, wait for it at like 10, 11 in the night on a Friday, uh, edit it, send it back to me. They give me feedback and then we put it out the next time we watch. Um, and then we look at feedback. We look at how people wrote it. And so over time we got it to a point where we are really confident that, okay, now we think we can make it uh, paid. And we did that. We clustered users and said, 
what do they read? Do they, as opposed to the nut graph, as opposed to the beyond the first order daily newsletter, as opposed to our stories, how do they read it? What's happening? Where is their affinity? Um, and we got better at it and we figured out pricing. So these are like some examples. Uh, there are many, many, many more examples, but these are some examples in which we try to make things work. You know, it's fascinating uh, listening to you. And it was reminded of my own story. I started yes. probably what was India's first paid media product. Um, paid only. Uh, well, ninety-five uh, when I oh, launched wonderful. India World, which was India's first website. Right. Um, I was clear. I didn't have any other way. Uh, this was about a few weeks after Yahoo had launched and uh, eBay yes. had launched. Yes. And uh, I had a paid paid service, fifty-nine dollars right. a year. Prime targeted NRIs. Internet hadn't even been launched in India. Wonderful. Um, okay. Uh, so mm. I had no way to publicize it. I was coming after two failed ventures. So I just sent out, put on news, mm. group, sent out mm. friends. Mm. People came back and said, hey, you know what? 60 bucks is too much. Um, yes. So I dropped it to 29 and then $20 in mm. the case of one month. Mm. And it stayed that way for about a year plus, year mm. and a half, mm. uh, for about 5,000 subscribers. Mm. Then I realized en route. You know, I used to look at the email IDs who used to subscribe very early days of the internet. And I said all of GE in the US had one subscriber. Yeah. And then I realized that there were people were just, it was email ID and password. Yeah. So <laughs> I realized that this is not going to work. <laughs> one guy subscribes and sends it to the entire office. huh? Absolutely. Yeah. And we, were, we stopped growing basically because an organization would subscribe and one person and then share it with everyone. And anyway, then after yeah. that, I, I switched to... Um, free and uh, advertising led uh, and I sold the business post five years later, but we were ad led. I stopped the subscription part that time, but I think you've, you've, you've created a fantastic product. I think where people are, people are paying for it. Now you also have copycats coming up, of course, in India. Um, so I want to ask you, uh, Praveen, that the, how much, I mean, you, you talked as, as a product manager, how much is the uh, the sort of fluidity between your you of course track everything that's happening what people are reading what's working what's not working and yeah. that feedback goes back to editorial so yeah. how is this balance between the two is there a lot of discussion saying look these stories work so maybe we should do more of this or these types of stories are not working because the way i mm. looked at when i subscribed to ken my logic mm. was very simple mm. that even if i get and i use this for every subscription i subscribe to a lot of paid news uh, sure especially in tech sure. is that if i get one good idea in a year oh wow okay one good uh, idea it's uh, worth more than 2500 rupees that's and i tell that to people i said what would i pay to get one good idea huh. an ft subscription financial times is whatever yeah. 30 40000 rupees a year yeah and it's that it's the cost of an idea because that's your source of inputs maybe someone's True. comment someone's story which you can then True. take back and apply internally that's how I, I looked at it. So hmm. I'm sure there are others like me, but hmm. how do you all look at, uh, you know, from the, from the, uh, the, the product inputs to the editorial hmm. side? Right. So this is quite honestly, uh, see, first of all, Rajesh, the first thing that struck me was that as you were telling the story is that some problems have still not been solved for like 20 years. I can see uh, this thing about having one ID and you distribute it to everybody else. Yeah, we face some of that as well. Of course, things are like uh, we have solved it in other ways where because we have like a mobile app and the mobile app is like 
we try our level best to make sure that the mobile app is something that is not just an addendum product but a core product so without the mobile app it's almost like a very substandard experience uh, so these are all advantages that we have today that uh, you probably didn't have at that point in time um see in terms of look uh, in terms of the feedback going back to editorial it's a tricky problem there's no doubt about it so here's what we do we try to do two three things first um we are aware that qualitative feedback and quantitative feedback should be mixed in together i think that's the first uh, you know north star um i have been i think in general i have been in the situation where i've seen a lot there's a lot of thinking in the product side especially if you go in the if you are in a non uh, you know journalism kind of a background you probably really diminish the qualitative side of it because you don't have a clear appreciation that there is a lot of art and craft that goes into writing these stories and it's not just a question of you know uh, it's not like a swiggy or an uber where you move food from one place to another or cabs it's not that way it's not as simple as that um so i think that's so the first thing is you understand is there is always a mix of quality and quantity um so the first thing is that if you look at say quality one of the things that we do is we have a comment section for every story that we have so every story that we put there is a comment section and we basically try to do as many things on the product side to make sure that the comments are um things that people think about we don't want people to just shoot off we don't want it to become like uh, for lack of a better example youtube comments so what we do is we try our best to make sure that there are deliberate friction that we have introduced we make it very difficult for people to comment so the first time you want to comment you have to send like i want to request to comment we approve everybody who requests but we want you to do that okay and the second time when you put a comment is that we make sure that it's moderated we always want to moderate every comment and then before we put that up because we believe that comment should add to the discussion so if somebody so that means that if people just writing comment that says great article generally doesn't make it uh even people writing stuff like bad article does not make it so there are a lot of things where people write good things also that we don't put there but we like it so that is the first part we want to make sure that that happens that's one two is we want to reduce friction as much as possible for uh people to give instant comments as well so when you get the first impression because the thing is when you finish reading a story uh you want to make it a little difficult for people to like give you comments because what happens is you want them to absorb the whole entirety of the whole thing and then process it and then write it but on the other hand when you give a story immediately there is always a first instinctive reaction that you have which you want to make really easy to get so the way we do that is let's say for instance um we send an email that basically says hey here is our story of the day and as you just read that i'm sure there is an immediate reaction that you have and if you just hit reply and send it we get it so every email that we send out does not go to like some uh, it's not a no reply it does not go this thing it comes back to us and more, sometimes we more often than not we try to reply back of course now our volume is really high so it's difficult to reply back to everyone but we get that so that's the first thing introducing friction at one place reducing friction at other and understanding where that balance is um the second thing that we do is we launched this product recently called polls and surveys where what we do is that uh, if there is a story let's say we are writing a story on say i don't know i'll just pick an example let's say something like say cred and we're talking about cred is doing this cred is doing that's a business model somewhere in the middle of that we want to put we put a poll that basically says if you had like a 10000 points in cred we would use this okay this is not sponsored by cred or anything like that it is for us to understand what consumers are thinking and sometimes they just look at this and say oh option b thak and then you're like ah okay interesting so that sometimes feeds into the editorial side where you understand that okay this is the kind of uh, mindset that we have of course we do subscriber surveys regularly so those are other things that we do on the quantitative side 
we typically try to avoid looking at things like say what subscriptions are driven by stories we know it but we don't go we don't index too heavily on that um two things we index on uh, and we look at closely is uh, we look at something called uh, completion rates which means that if 100 people start reading a story how many people make it to the very end uh, because that gives you an indication of the that those because fundamentally you want to give things back to editorial that they can control um giving them things like oh this this kind of story led to subscription this kind of story didn't lead to subscriptions now you decide is difficult uh, but if you tell them that these kind of stories with this kind of a narrative leads to people finishing the story then you're like ah okay that gives you an indication of was my length optimal is this narrative clear um so things like that is what we tend to play with but i i would be the first to say that we are still figuring this out and we try different experiments sometimes we try giving little additional information less information and we try to figure out what works what doesn't work okay that's uh, what you're saying is uh, is 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 interesting and um, it's it's always difficult to give certain amount of info to a journalist because you know some really wise guy had once told me in pr said you know what journalists write for they don't write for the reader they write for other journalists and i don't think he was being charitable to them because you're right it is an art form and even if you yeah. write well you think of it as an art form yeah um and uh, yeah i think most journalists at the start would end up hating you because you're giving a lot more data to what is essentially their art but yeah. let me just flip it over and ask you a few questions sure um any uh, tips learnings thinking understandings on one on emails you've been writing emails for some time so what have you learned in terms of what is a good response how do you think it works through because i think in email you don't see really completion rate or scroll rate no, no, etc so that's that that's one one thing so how do you get your feedback and what do you think runs and works in an emailer so if i were right. to write an emailer what's the best way to write it and second right. similarly anything that you've learned or understood or any of our viewers or listeners would want to understand what makes a great article how does a narrative get broken up so on both sides if i could eat your brains on that right um i'll i'll tell you what i do know because a lot of this obviously the learning lies with uh, journalists and people who have been writing it and frankly are much much better than than i am uh, but i'll tell you what little we have learned at the ken and what i have seen as such see the thing about emails again the context is this so the co- context when the ken began is that uh, if we when we wanted to send out those morning emails so what what we do is every morning at 8 o'clock we publish a story and we send this one email out to all our subscribers that say this is the story and typically the the email is written by somebody at the ken who has not written the story so it could be another writer someone else in desk sometimes i write it saying introducing it and saying that oh this is why you should read the story and so i am telling you as a reader of the story what i really liked about it and why i think you should read it and here's the context behind it so why now the thing is that email is very interesting because that email comes out at like 8 in the morning and that email is completely in plain text there isn't a single html component in it. we don't even put our logo on it right um or and we always start every email with good morning with the name of the person uh there is only two i tell this to everyone there is only two data points we collect from our subscribers people always ask me um you know what is the gender makeup of your subscribers and i truthfully say i don't know uh because we don't collect that information we value privacy really highly there's only two information we collect one is the email address because you have to send this email and two we collect their name because we need to know what to call them when we send this email so now the reason why we do this is because 
See, the thing is, email is also, and I'm sure both of you are aware about this, uh, and many of your listeners probably do, which is that email had reached a point where it had been like tortured and tortured and tortured and used as a marketing channel to the point where a lot of rules started to come around. It said that, oh, you should put like this HTML, you should put like this beautiful thing, and you should try this, you should try that, and make it very immersive. And so now email reached a point where everybody started seeing it as mostly junk and promotions and everything else. It started becoming like your physical email, that snail mail that you get. You don't even look at it anymore because you're like, it's all just like nonsense. So I think what the Ken tried was we looked at this and said, okay, if all of this noise is there, how do we cut through all of this noise? And the only way we can cut through all of this noise is we basically wanted to take email back to a time when you looked forward to your emails. Um, and that for someone like me uh, is probably that the 2005, 2006 uh, era before mobile phones, when somebody, when a friend emails you, you see that and you know it and you're like, oh, it's just a subject and starts off with, hey, Praveen, and just like tells an email as a short email. So without any HTML and all that. So that is the first thing. Um, so I think the main learning I would say is that if there is something that is like extremely cluttered and noisy, it's actually a great opportunity because you can cut through all of it in a way that is very different. Um, so that is our first learning about email. Now, this, the th other thing about email is, of course, in terms of email newsletters, uh, the thing that I always tell uh, what we have learned about email newsletters is that 80% of the time, it's really important for you to be predictable. Uh, which means that 80% of the time before someone opens it, a reader must basically know, okay, I know what to expect. If I, before I open uh, beyond the first order, before I open the nut graph, I know what to expect. 80% of the time it's going to be about this one thing. You're going to break this down, tell it in an interesting way. So I'll get, I'll get educated or informed or entertained or something. But 20% of the time you should just surprise. You should just like do something completely left field. Um, and it's okay. Not sometimes things will hit, sometimes things won't hit. But people always make this mistake of either doing surprise every week, which becomes too much, or becoming too predictable for like three years, where by the time people are like, okay, listen, I can't take this anymore. Um, so I think that's our more biggest learning with um, emails. Um, story narration, uh, again, I think my reporters are the better people to answer this, but I'll tell you what we generally know. Number one, it's very important for us in the stories that we write that uh, we try to see, we always tell people we, we are not we are always writing a story. One of the words that is banned in the Ken is the word content. Um, you will never see the word content anywhere in the Ken, not in our Slack, not in this thing. When people come and tell this to us um, in meetings, they're like, oh, I want to help you with your content. I immediately stop them and say stories, not content. Okay. Um, and that's very difficult for people to understand. So, but it's a very important thing because fundamentally we look at everything as a story. And we say that, and stories are, narratives. We always say that we don't write long form. People say we write long form. We don't write long form. We write narrative, which means that almost every story that we have has a, we like to believe has a protagonist, has a conflict, has obstacles, has um, desires, motivations. And you'll be surprised how few people see it that way. Business stories, people think are like really dull and really boring, but it isn't. It's actually very interesting. Um, so I think that's our main thing that we do. Um, then, of course, you come into all of those things where you say that, look, people always say that your story should not have a point of view. You should have that view from nowhere. And we say, no, we, we are going to have a point of view. We are, our stories are going to be directional. Sometimes I get people telling me that you are biased. And we say, of course, you're biased. Everyone is biased. Okay. And, uh, but we try to 
solidify that bias. We try to put reasons why we go in that direction. We try to put a case forward and say, here is what the data says. We put like three graphs that show, look, this company is losing money. Its cost is going up. Hence, we believe that this is going not going to work or going to work, etc. And sometimes we've been wrong, but I would like to believe that the sincerity with which we make our case offsets uh, the times that we've been wrong. I mean, you spent, uh, before you joined the Ken, you spent time working at uh, Mintra and Inmobi. Yeah. So what are learnings from that period that you have applied? So what have you had to, uh, the learnings that you have kept and what you have had to unlearn, like you talked earlier about uh, the world of ad yeah. yeah. So see, the thing is, again, the context for that is, um, I actually was a journalist very briefly for a year when I finished my engineering and my journalism career ended uh, really suddenly and violently uh, because I got sued for defamation for like an absurd amount. Yeah, it was it was a fun story. Okay, so um, no, it wasn't even. Really, you write... got sued, man. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even write anything defamatory. Anyway, so uh, so it was about this. Uh, so there was this one. Uh, I can I can tell it now. Now it's not. Now it's okay. Uh, there was this one college at the time because you guys are a, probably know about this. It's called IIPM. Um, Institute of Planning and Management. And I think they were like, um, well, you were the guy. <laughs> no, I was actually, I was not the guy. There were other people who did it at, at big, much bigger scale, but I was one of the people who did it at a much smaller scale and got affected by it. Uh, and nobody really noticed because the big guys were the ones who got noticed. Anyway, so uh, I, I, I just wrote a reported story on that. It wasn't even like a big thing. I just wrote a story that came in the front page of the, it was in the supplement of uh, the Economic Times. And um, and, and, I, and there was some, I mean, I'm not going to say that I got sued, sued, but I think there was like some calls were made and some things got lovely for a while. Um, and then after that, I just got really like disillusioned with the whole thing and said, okay, look, I'm not going to make this happen. Um, and uh, then after that, I went and did my B school and of course B school, but I always wanted to get into the media industry. In fact, even in B school, I went to my placement committee and said that I want to get into media. And they were like, okay, you tell us which company you want and we'll try to get them. And there was a very, very short list because then I figured out, oh, even if I want to do it, there is no company that will, uh, that I want to work for. Um, so finally, then my reasoning at that point in time was I said, okay, look, forget this media thing for a minute. If it had to happen, uh, it's fairly obvious that any successful media company has to be based on internet. Uh, it has to be internet based because print is anyway going to be dead very soon. So the one thing that I can do is I can at least go and understand how the internet works and how to basically monetize on the internet because business models seem like the big problem that media is going to face regardless. So that is why I joined Mintra. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I joined Mintra. So, and Mintra was very interesting because they joined this solving this very interesting problem on, we want to sell clothes online. We don't know how to do it. Can you help us? I'm like, yeah, sure. This sounds like an interesting problem. Um, so I got it. So Mintra taught me a lot of things. One, it taught me the entire fundamentals of the internet, which means that I didn't know anything. I didn't even know what conversion was when I joined Mintra. And I was very fortunate that I was in the right place in Mintra. I was in part of customer experience and revenue. So I looked at this combination, looked at this entire thing and said, okay. Um, then I understood a lot of the rules of the internet, which means that, oh, if this, you try this, this works, you try this, doesn't work. This is how users discover you, this is how users come, et cetera, which was great. But then after a couple of years, then of course the mobile revolution started. And then it, then again, the same thing started happening with Buzzfeed at that point in time, where a lot of people said that, oh, Buzzfeed is going to be, it's advertising, it's more ad tech, ad tech, ad tech. And I said, okay, this must be like, let me try this now. So then I joined InMovie. Uh, InMovie was fun. I was there for like nearly five years. Um, I did stuff where I tried to build products where you could like buy on using an ad, uh, et cetera. So 
in movie was i think see the thing more in movie was even though i came away with the thing that ad tech would not work for media one of the things i really learned was in movie taught me product management in ways that i never learned i mean i did learn it in mintra of course but it taught me at a big global level how to do it and i was really fortunate that i worked at a place which was headquartered in india and was building products for the world so that is very interesting and when you do that when you have that level of data that level of stuff where you have like millions and billions of people clicking on your ads every day a lot of the problems suddenly start to come in perspective um and i think and i always say this i think that inmobi is one of those companies which is extremely resilient which means that every year um the competitive landscape of inmobi changes like if you look at the people whom inmobi was competing with like in 2013 and whom we are competing in 2015 and 2017 and 2019 it's a different list altogether because ad tech is like that you have like people who come they just become sudden stars and then they just die and somebody else comes and inmobi has seen through all of those so that resilience is um it's really interesting how you could stay in a company that was that resilient was able to fight all of these on multiple fronts and innovate and had a really really great culture so those things um are things as really fortunate and quite happy about so yeah so fundamentally all of those things helped because once you join the ken you realize perspectives you understand things you know the rules are and you also understand what things don't work so but but i also had to unlearn a lot uh, for instance things that i had to unlearn were um see one of the things that you always unlearn is that uh, how you basically look at users right because for a long time at least in mintra and inmobi there is always this tendency because not their fault because um mintra was of course really big and inmobi was almost i wouldn't say it's almost i wouldn't say it's a b2c company it was almost like an ad tech um middle company so when you look at users and especially a small loyal um extremely passionate user base the way you build products for them is very different from how you build products for like the masses you know which is how mintra was building um but that is different and the way you get and you understand that qualitative feedback is like really important i can put something out and within like i just wait and usually previously in mintra or in inmobi i would be looking at the metrics dashboard and staring at it for like one hour two hours trying to see is it working is it not working at the ken once you put something out i just open my support desk and i keep refreshing that because that tells me something that the metrics will tell me it will tell me in a two days or three days but this is going to tell me something even better so those support kind of desk, interesting things i mean support desk means what what is that what do you look at in that yeah so when i say support desk i mean that these are all like any email that you send to info@theken.com support@theken.com anything that you send comes to a central this thing basically it's this repository of all emails from subscribers which is what i'm sitting and looking at when you launch something because that tells you you'll be surprised and some and people are also extremely invested because once they give you money they're not going to just shoot off their mouth they're going to sit and write we've had people who have sent in like ppt decks subscribers saying that here is my explanation to why your entire flow is this this and you're like wow okay let me just read this for some time so that is really really valuable um immensely valuable so that that high touch feedback you wouldn't really get earlier and i never really i always thought that this was not really useful because be like people will say what they want to say i mean like no no it's actually quite interesting you may not agree with them but they'll tell you things that are quite insightful I th- and also um, i don't know i could be totally wrong but i think your mm. emailer on the reliance one that mm. is the first time i think you guys went theoretically crazy viral and you all yeah. got the sense of what it was 
Yeah, so see the thing is, we have always been uh, writing. So if you look at the core stories, core stories have been going viral for a long time. Um, right from like 2016, there have been like a lot of stories we've written that have just like exploded. Uh, that's the other thing. Our entire marketing budget in the history of the Ken is zero. We have never spent on marketing. Uh, we have only relied on word of mouth, and it's much harder to do word of mouth when you're a paywalled. When you write a sub publication, when you write something that's paywalled and to expect someone to send it to someone else and say, I know you can't read it, but please do, is a much higher bar than, oh, this is beautiful. Watch this video. You can click on it and watch it. So that is different. Um, so we've been going doing that for a while. We've written like a lot of amazing stories in the past that people have discovered us on. Um, the thing that you're talking about, Jamit, is the nut graph. So what happened is when we started the nut graph, we tried all kinds of things. Um, we wrote about this, we wrote about that. I think somewhere in the middle, I wrote this one thing. I think the first big thing, if you ask me, was this thing that we wrote on Reliance, where uh, I think it was called the camel in the tent, where I basically like made an analogy between how Reliance creep into the telecom sector was exactly like this Arabian fable of a camel going into a tent. And I think I just, that was the first time I ever, I tried a story analogy with something because I always very afraid to try that. Uh, I always kept writing it really straight. And I think once I tried this and I think I sent it to Rowan or my desk or someone and they were like, yeah, yeah, try it out. Let's see what happens. I said, okay. So, so we tried it out and that really like exploded. Then we said, okay, let's see how, what happens here. So we wrote a bunch of stuff about Reliance as well. Other things also went very, became very popular, but uh, then I wrote this thing on the geo acquisition. So once the geo got this entire funding from like multiple people, I was quite annoyed because a lot of people were just reporting the numbers and saying, 200 million today, they're like, oh, this many, these guys was in with, that guy was in with, that. And nobody was really telling what was Geo thinking about? What was the broader picture? What was a long-term game? And people always make this mistake of thinking that Geo does not have a long-term game. And it does. It has this really great long-term game. And I just said, okay, let me like visually draw this long-term game. And I did that. Um, and you're right. That also became quite popular. So yeah, I, mean, I think I'm quite fortunate that um, you have subscribers who keep telling you signals on what works, what doesn't work. Uh, I have a really strong editorial team that I lean on who tell me that, who give me the freedom to basically say, yes, yes, go for it. If this is going to work, just try it out. Um, I always tell the story that when I finished writing the nut graph, the first, the most scary 10, 20, 30 minutes of my entire week is the time when I know that desk is going through it. Because when they come back and tell me, and I, and I know just by the responses, I know what's going to happen tomorrow. If they say done without any comments, I know, okay, it's an average piece. Okay. If they come and say, good, then I know, oh, this has potential. Okay. If they come back and say, I loved reading it, then I know that's it. This is going to go viral. So uh, they have a lot of institutional knowledge, which really helps me. So yeah, so fundamentally, all of these things tend to work together. I'm quite fortunate. Praveen, is there, I mean, everyone talks of, you know, in business, we talk of North Star metrics. Uh -huh. as, a, as a product head, yeah. is there a North Star metric for you? subscriptions no i'm joking uh, <laughs> um so yeah i think that's a good question so i think see let me let me put it this way so uh okay two three i i don't think we have one not star metric i don't think we have gotten there yet but i'll tell you three four metrics that we generally look at um see we always started off by looking at subscriptions but subscriptions for us we sort of figured out over some time is that slightly it's a bit of a derived metric um, i mean it's it's good we do look at it obviously but it's a bit of a derived metric so there are two three things we look at number one um, of course conversion is a very important thing for us because we know that when someone comes to the website it's very important for us to because our funnel is not a regular funnel a regular funnel is essentially where you have a website 
somebody comes they say oh get them to like purchase sorry get them to like sign up and once they sign up and you've got them you send them emails and get them to purchase so the funnel is like this that's not true about the ken so the ken's funnel is a little bit like skewed like this so what happens is you have a part of the funnel that is like that where you have people who come who look at this and say hmm, i'm not sure and they sign up and they go and they this thing and then over time they end up purchasing a subscription but you also have a significant part of the funnel of people who just come look at a story and say boom i want to buy this now and buy an annual subscription and over 99.5% of our subscri subscribers are annual subscribers we don't offer we don't have month we have a quarterly subscription uh, but that is like a very very few percent of people do that we don't offer a monthly subscription only because uh we believe that the value of the can cannot be realized in a month quite honestly so what happens is sometimes people and so it's not a true representation of the product which is why we don't offer a monthly subscription um but yeah so the other interesting thing that we did since you're talking about product and experiments and all that um is our single story so one of the things that uh, we have always seen is that people don't the idea of these are oh, by the way these are this is one of the big problems you've spoken about problems in subscriptions in india right but this is the big 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 problem the overriding problem for us at the ken is that quite honestly there is no, very very few places that we can steal from i mean i see steal i mean steal product ideas or products or anything there's very few places quite honestly um which is not true about other places you can always look at your competitors even if they are abroad and say oh this is a really cool idea let me integrate what amazon is doing into flip or something like that okay but you can't do that here because in many ways we are doing the we are the first set of people trying to figure it out so to get that right balance between this is an experiment versus this we are going to do because we believe in it versus this we are not going to do because our judgment says otherwise this we are not going to do because our experience says otherwise and to basically keep challenging those things and to keep understanding that on a day to day basis is not that easy um otherwise we can always look at other people and say oh we thought this would not work but hey they they are making it work let's steal it now we can't do that so i'll give an example so for instance if you look at this uh, one of the things that people subscribers didn't don't really understand is this idea that a subscription is actually a commitment that you make for a long term uh, benefit and it's not a benefit it's exactly what you said sometime back rajesh which is that if i subscribe for a year and if i get one idea and i wish more subscribers were like you if i get one idea over the course of that one year my subscription is like you know worth it uh, people don't see it that way necessarily so they always look at it in a transactional way because they've been trained to look at it in a transactional way all products teach them that this is all transactional so for instance so one of the things that we kept getting asked was that there is this one story i don't want your subscription there is this one story i only want to read this one story and we always get these emails from this uh, one of the uh, people who are like you know who mean well but they write in saying that you know what you should do you should sell this one story for like some 30 rupees and if you sell it for 30 rupees then we'll have more people wanting to buy it and your revenue will increase and then i always reply back saying that okay assuming that is true why do you think netflix does not allow you to purchase one movie and people then then you then people start you know they start looking at their own biases their own assumptions say yeah that's true why does netflix not allow you to buy just one movie i just want to watch this one movie so now what ends up happening is we said okay uh, can we we always said for a long time look we are not going to do this we are not going to do this we are a subscription we are a loyalty play but i think at one point in time we looked at this and said is there a way to make this into an opportunity um and this is what we did so we just said okay um let us launch a single story product and it is basically you want to buy one story you can buy one story but what you can't do as a subscriber is you can't say that i want it at a price that i want so we said no so what we did is we priced the single story at like i think 250 rupees when we started 
and every three months we just kept increasing it. Um, we just kept increasing to 300, 350, 400, just to see. Let's see what happens. Okay. Uh, I think now it's somewhere at 600 rupees. Okay. So the way it is right now, so if you go to a single, if you go to a story at the page story, then you go to the paywall. What you do is you see three options. Option one, single story that says that it's at 600 rupees, a quarterly subscription, which is I think around 2000 rupees. And then you have an annual subscription at three to four five. And what the single story did was, and I mean, I would like to say that we planned this out, but we were we were like figuring it out as we went along. Is that exactly? So what it does is it it looks people look at the single story, and then what it does is it creates a sense of value for the story itself. And then you have signal that oh my god, the story is six hundred rupees. And then when you look at the annual subscription, it does not look so bad in comparison. Although we believe that annual subscription is worth it. So here are some things we tried out and sort of worked for us. So things like this is, I mean, I don't know if the single story will continue. We'll, we keep trying out different things, but yeah, this is one of the several kind of experiments that we've tried out and it's working for us. And also what's fascinating, uh, Raveen, is that we are seeing a global trend now on um, uh, uh, this whole idea of individuals also now getting into the subscriptions mode. Substack yeah. is enabling that. Yeah, yeah. So absolutely. people are leaving well-known publications and saying, okay, Correct. I'm going to start writing $100 a year if I get a mm. thousand, two thousand subscribers, it's it's great. Mm. Uh, I think uh, 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 there's this smile curve in journalism. I think which the media which they talk about, you know, where yeah. uh, Google and Facebook on one side and the individual writers on the other side, two ends of correct. the curve, correct. and then correct. the media companies right in between. Yeah, that's um, correct. So if I ask you a, a sort of when you think of the Ken going forward, mm -hmm. you are really building a new generation media company. Uh, and yeah. it is that it's a business basically yeah. Yeah. Uh, where you're not dependent on advertising there's That's value right. for the editorial uh, there are multiple products now it's a diversified sort of products diversified geographies that you're operating in how do you see this going forward how do you see this playing out in the future so so it's interesting you said this uh, about the substack model and rajesh you probably uh, remember this i think there was this guy who basically said uh, maybe in the late 90s or in the 2000s about this thing concept of uh, thousand true fans right which i think was kevin kelly who basically said that if you are someone if you can find thousand true fans for something that you have created that's it you are set you can like monetize it and the thinking was that if you can create something that's really niche and you have like a thousand if you can get a thousand people to pay for i don't know the varieties of cheese and how to make cheese in this thing if you get thousand people globally to pay for it and each of them paying you hundred dollars a year that's hundred thousand dollars a year you're comfortable it's done um the thing is that that's true but the thing is, the number of people who can do that is also extremely small. So, for instance, most famously, Ben Thompson of Stratechery does that. Um, I think a lot of people I have seen who get into Substack right now vastly underestimate the amount of grit, determination, and this thing that it takes to actually put out one quality stuff on a regular basis. Um, people get into it and, and they, they should get into it. It's fine. But to do it on a regular, consistent basis, and I can speak from personal experience, is not easy. Um, and it's really, really difficult. So that's the first part. The second thing is that I think a lot of people lack the support structure that I'm I'm like quite lucky to have, which is that I have a desk team, I have an editorial team, I have a visual team who are all like, who can just help me. Even if they don't do so much for me, but they do, what they do for me is like really invaluable. So to do it completely independently, not that easy. I will say this about the Ken going forward. Um, see, our thinking is this in terms of ambition that right now uh, we believe, we genuinely believe this. Um, this is not something we say just in our like careers page and culture page. We genuinely believe that there is a potential to create 
something like the companies that we really look at is something like an FT, something like a Wall Street Journal, something like a New York Times. Um, I read stories about how the New York Times has like transformed itself, like it just pulled itself and dragged itself into the 21st century. Really inspiring stories. And we believe that we can do that in India. Um, we believe that we don't have the legacy behind us. We have the trust, we have this thing, and we have the subscriber base, we have the brand. Hopefully we'll make this work. So that's our first thing. And it's not just for India. We believe we can do this for Asia as well. Um, but what that means is for us to do that, it requires us to solve problems, quite frankly, that um, we are going to be the first ones to solve those problems. And sometimes we'll get it right, sometimes we'll get it wrong. I hope we make less mistakes and more successes. Uh, for instance, one of the things that happened when we started, say, the Southeast Asia edition, and this is a story I haven't told, um, is we were very clear that it's a separate edition. And this is actually very weird because typically newspapers and media don't do this where you say, okay, you have edition one, which is at this price that you can subscribe to, and edition two, which is at this price that you can subscribe to separately. Typically what happens is you subscribe to one and you get access to one, and that's about it. And or you get access to the whole bundle in general. Now, how do you build this out? Is something that we actually searched a lot online. We tried to find out publications that had done this and we really couldn't find anybody. Um, and then we said, okay, look, we looked at it first principle and said, look, if you have to build it out, you'll build it out this way. And we built it out. And we got contacted later by Automatic who, uh, somebody at Automatic who runs WordPress. And they were like quite astonished. They said, like, how did you do this? Because how did you build this multi-edition thing on WordPress? And we said, oh, we did this. So it turns out that the only example that they had seen of somebody doing this is actually e-commerce websites, which is true because if you have a product that is on say one store, like a Germany store versus a UK store, the pricing is going to be different. The products are going to be different. So we used that infrastructure and solved it for a media setup. Um, so I guess we were lucky in this lucky in the sense we, we basically spent some time and effort trying to solve this. Um, there are other problems that we have to solve. Like for instance, we started off with paid newsletters. Um, we were, it was first free, then we moved it to paid. How do you make this work? How do you drive growth for paid newsletters? I suspect you're going to face similar problems with podcasts. Um, right now it's free. Um, maybe at some point in time, if you decide to do a paid version of a podcast, that's like unheard of. Who does a paid version of podcast? How do you even pay for it? How do you even access it? Um, we know there's an opportunity, but we have to just figure out how to do these things. So I think solving problems that hopefully others, I mean, that others have not solved hopefully as quickly as possible in a way that works is going to be our big, big, big challenge. And yeah, we think hopefully we have the team and the chops to do it. Yeah, I think, uh, and, and good luck to that. And I'd lo love to see that. But Praveen, just a small thing. Uh, yes. When you come up with these variations in sense of uh, you had the articles, then you had the emailers, and then you see the podcast. Yeah. Uh, essentially, do you see them as different markets that help you increase the base? Or yeah. is it going to the same person and yeah. either giving more value or being yeah. able to charge more premium. To my mind, there are three different uh, yeah. reasons to have variations. What do you think? Absolutely. So uh, the honest answer is it's all of the above. I know it's a bit of a cop-out answer, but that's the honest answer. So for instance, I'll give an example. So if you basically see, and sometimes you have, you have changed your mind about some of these things. So if you look at, say, I'll, I'll give an example of, say, newsletters, right? So when you started off with the stories, the stories are very straightforward. You pay for it, you get access to stories, and that's our flagship. It remains our flagship today. But, and when we started off the newsletters, our working hypothesis was that, look, the newsletters will, uh, as you give an example, will probably like travel, it'll go viral, it'll get into audiences that haven't heard of us, which it did. Um, and it will like come back and people will come back, look at this and say, hey, now I'm going to pay for the care. Now that worked. 
I think it's fair to say that we looked at it and said, mm, we think we can do better. We're not really sure if it's like, it's, it's not, I would say that it's not really that clear if it led to that in a big, big way, um, which is why we decided, you know what, this is probably much more valuable as part of the paid bundle. So that is why we basically put them behind a paywall and said, okay, look, our newsletters are now part for our subscribers because we believe that this ad, this is now so valuable that we think that people can pay for it and it will add that value. So we use that, we moved it from one category to another category. Um, for instance, if you look at say podcasts, podcasts today are free. So we do look at it as podcasts is something that we think will give us access to a new audience that is completely in a different format, hasn't heard of the Ken, but maybe we'll change our mind. Maybe that will work. And once we get enough people, we're like, okay, now we are done with this. And now we will make this paid, or maybe we'll make another kind of a podcast that is paid. So I would say that it's all of them. We keep experimenting with all of them. We look at numbers really closely. We look at what we can do, um, instincts, feedback, all of that. And we make determination on all of these. So yeah, you'll see a lot more of these happening in like 2021, where we will start taking like stories, trying different formats with it, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, so it's, it's a combination of all of the above, honestly. Uh Right towards the end, uh, uh, Praveen, one sort of question. Yes, please. How do you think of pricing? Okay, and I'll tell you my view on that. You know, when Mint had launched, um, uh, well, fantastic paper, uh, and I had right. met Niranjan uh, Rajadrash, right. the editor, yes. and I wrote about this on my blog also. I said, why on earth would you launch a two rupee paper? Yes. This is a product which should be priced at 15 rupees. You know, yeah. because you're going to go down the same path. You know, it's yeah. 10x differential. And uh, of course, uh, they didn't do it. And uh, you know, yeah. tough then making money at two rupees and all of that competing with the economic times. And then, right. I mean, I look at today, the value, I look at, uh, when I look at uh, content, or mm. stories, not content <laughs> in your words. Um, <laughs> See, I've, I've transformed you. <laughs> Rajesh, you failed huh, for two minutes, but it was a good comeback. <laughs> So, yeah. um, essentially, see what you're doing is, the, 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 this is not a mass market product, but there are at least are probably, I'd say, a, a few lakh people in India for whom yeah. uh, stories like this can be transformational, either in new business Correct. ideas, new business models. Correct. And my belief is that, you know, it's probably at 10 rupees a day or 15 rupees a day, it's still probably very, very low. Uh, and uh, again, uh, pricing it higher probably could be a way to go going forward. Right. But how do you think of pricing? You know, why 3,500 yeah. or whatever equivalent? Yeah, I mean, see, I could talk about pricing, just pricing for an hour, okay? But I'll give you the uh, the shorter version of how what we're thinking about it. See, um, I wasn't here when we launched the Ken, but I know the historical context of why it came down to. So I think the thinking at that point in time was we said, okay, look, what is a good, uh, if people look at this product and they say, they generally try to break it down into per month, how much do I have to pay for it? So at that point in time, I think the thinking was, well, 250 rupees a month would be like a good uh, benchmark to begin with. So I think that is why the thinking was, oh, we can do it for like, so that means it works out to an annual subscription of 3000 rupees. Then on top of it, then of course, GST came and GST came in after we launched. So we had no choice. So then it obviously had to go up a little bit. So that is why it is at this weird price point of 3,245 rupees. So we said, okay, fine. It's, it's all right. Let's not like, so the one thing we have never done is we have never till now, we have not changed our annual pricing. Uh, our annual pricing has remained the same for like four years since the time we launched. Um, our thinking is that our annual subscription is more or less, we like to look at it like how uh, Amazon looks at Prime. 
which says that this is the thing and the and that is the main uh, thing as you say and i don't think i think amazon has changed its prime price maybe like twice or thrice in like 20 years or something it has barely moved its price so i think we would like to look at it that way um in terms of the annual subscription what we have done is we have said okay first we are never going to discount our price we have we've been very clear about that till now we have not done it uh, i think the only discount there are only two kinds of discounts that we give one is we give a discount of 50% for students because we feel like students deserve to read us and maybe can't afford it um and b we give a small 10% discount to people when they renew their subscription but quite honestly a lot of people don't even like opt for it it is just i would like to say it as a like a thank you or a token loyalty or something we don't even use it for like uh, anything major so that's two uh, in fact the every other way the one thing we are very clear about is no person who buys a subscription to the ken should ever write back to us and say that oh i bought it at full price but now you're giving it at a bigger discount now how can you do this or can i like can you give me the we didn't want that we didn't we wanted that when somebody buys it they're really confident that they cannot get it for less than this anywhere else no matter what there's no coupon out there there's nothing out there in fact I, not even employees even i pay full price for my subscription to the ken rohan pays he's he is like customer number 1 on the on the database and he pays full price so these are things we are very clear about culturally that we basically say that this is something that we will never change no matter what um what we do beyond that is we say okay what we can do for pricing is we basically play with pricing in other ways so for instance if you have an india subscriber and you want to buy a south asia subscription then we say yes this makes sense because now you're getting more into the bundle sure now we will like give you like a discount for that or sometimes what happens is one of the things that we launched earlier is we launched three year subscriptions and we did this i think two years back when we were three years old and we said we didn't think to me we would opt for it we said okay let's see what happens and surprisingly people did it's one of our most selling products right now so a lot of people who are really sold in just want to get locked in and say ha theek hai just take my money just send it to me i don't want to worry about this renewal you know nothing of the sort i am sold on the quality i'm sold on this thing so send it to me so there we play with pricing and we basically try to figure out how to do that um the other thing we played around with was we said can we do a couple subscription and that was also interesting because we had a lot of people writing and saying i have a subscription but my wife and i read the ken together at breakfast or at this thing and we are like really this thing and you only have like we can't have one app between the two of us can you do something for us and we said oh, okay fine so we we've we built that out so the way we look at pricing among all of these things is that see fundamentally it's about do you create enough value to the bundle itself in such a way that you can justify it people as much as you try will try to bring it back to a monthly thing in their head etc but we want to believe that at the end of the day the annual subscription is something where nobody should regret it at the end of it they should look at this and say wow in this annual subscription i get like stories i get like newsletters i get this this is great this is my flagship um and if you make things i have seen a lot of publications and not just publications other people also trying to do this complicated metrics of like like a saas product kind of thing where you have like you can get this also this also add on this thing etc we try not to go down that direction uh, we may in the future but we try not to uh, so yeah in general as long as you have one flagship thing where you can really justify the value the rest of it sort of like emerges from there so that's how we think about it broadly well, it's been fantastic uh, ravin amazing insights now of course into product but also into the uh, evolving and changing nature of the uh, media industry great takeaways yeah. i think uh, yeah amazing to also of course see your passion that you bring your learnings from the past applied to creating really a new new world out there jamit yes i think it's extremely interesting and uh, what i learned today 
and I, I probably take it to the grave is that hey these are stories there's no content so it's the number one I keep telling my guys content you go content you can learn like I feel like slapping myself and second I never knew that you can look at stories once you look at stories you look at it like a Hindi movie or a plot or a, something hero's journey it. hero's journey damn it so hero's journey, hero's journey correct exactly. there's a complete <laughs> Joseph Campbell all over again saying exactly. that it is there is a protagonist there is conflict there are issues and what do people care about they care about stories and you have to write about it and i love what pravin you're writing because at the end of it it is it is it is a story that you're writing and there is a narrative around it as opposed to just writing content and trying to understand which are the keywords how is it going to come so actually just um, um, before you pravin we spoke to kartik rangappa from zero da and he also saying i don't look at any metrics we are not good at seo we are not good at anything we write content that people want to read in a way that helps them and you guys are writing content in a way that you think people want to consume and understand and fall in love with it's it's like it's like bollywood it's like movies and that gave us a completely different insight i came in thinking uh, pravin will talk about funnel cohorts this that and you talking about I don't know what stories. So I thought it was yeah. absolutely, <laughs> I thought it was absolutely lovely, Praveen, and it's a good insight. And uh, thank you, and thank you, readers uh, and listeners. Sorry, not readers, listeners and uh, viewers. Uh, it's been an amazing conversation with Praveen, who gave us an insight, I think, into unproductizing product uh, at the Ken, and we got an understanding into how uncontenting <laughs> content and make it. stories at the ken and i think we go back with a lot of learning that we can apply in various different places thank you do subscribe to us do like us do share the word and hopefully we will get our 1000 fans thank you <laughs>